The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. It's around 6.56 p.m. local time on October 25th in Lewiston, Maine. We have an active shooter. We have multiple injuries. According to local authorities, the Auburn Communication Center receives a 911 call of a man who is firing a weapon at this bowling alley. A few minutes later, 7.08 p.m., the communication center receives multiple 911 calls about an active shooter inside Shemengi's Bar and Grill. Captain, we have a second one. Second active shooter, Shemengi's. Shemengi's is about four miles from the bowling center. Shortly after, a large law enforcement response from multiple surrounding agencies assists the Lewiston Police Department. Around 8 p.m., local authorities say they're investigating two active shooter events. Pull up Robert Cart's photo one more time. Just a short time ago, uh, Lewiston police announced that this is their only person of interest in connection with this mass shooting right now. Again, law enforcement sources telling Fox News uh, the numbers they have right now are at least 22 people dead and dozens of others injured. Now, we're getting more color on Robert Card's background, and it's concerning. Authorities say Robert Card, who had been committed to a mental health facility over the summer, reported hearing voices and threatened to shoot up a military base. This summer, while training at West Point, Card was taken to an Army psych ward for evaluation, reportedly hearing voices. It is not clear how he had a high-powered rifle following his military mental health episode. So he had a breakup with his girlfriend. Um, before that, uh, he lost a job. Before that, he had a mental health crisis over the summer. That was what uh, what had been reported earlier about hearing voices and having feelings that he was going to hurt other soldiers. So when you take those three things together, um, the mental health crisis, losing a job, uh, losing a girlfriend uh, or a relationship, these are what they would refer to as stressors. Flags have been ordered lowered across the nation for the next five days. The White House again calling for a ban on assault-style weapons. Gun violence has terrorized and traumatized so many of our communities in this country. And let us be clear, it does not have to be this way. As our friends in Australia have demonstrated. The number of Israelis buying guns has jumped in the wake of the October 7th attacks, the government making it easier. Right now, it's in a week. It's very, very quick, very quick. This is a one-stop shop for training, licensing and buying a gun if you're Israeli. I think everyone in Israel, I don't think only in Israel, I think around the world were shaken by what happened. The gun I got is a Glock 43X. That's the one I chose. Kalanit Taub, a mother, says she wasn't a gun person before the horrific Hamas attacks. I feel that the gun is the only option I have to defend myself, and that's why I'm getting one today. Israeli settlements are considered illegal by much of the international community, built on land the Palestinians hope will one day form part of a Palestinian state. 
Hardline Jewish religious settlers say the land is theirs by biblical right. And there are fears more guns in the settlements could increase violence toward Palestinians in the wake of October 7th. Violence aimed at the Palestinians. That's uh, CNBC. Our friends in Canada produced that. If more Jews get their hands on guns, like that woman who said, I, I, need it, I need it to defend myself, then that's a danger. That poses a grave danger to the Palestinians. <laughs> you see the same spirit here in the United States. A crazed lunatic, the report brought it out. Mentally disturbed, hearing voices, voices telling him to kill people. And so what does Kamala Harris say? She says the quiet part out loud. She's calling for an Australian-style gun confiscation. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or go to our Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. You can watch the live stream. You can watch the shows after the fact. If you're at Rumble, give us the thumbs up and leave a nice comment as well. If you'd like to email the show, we'd love to read your comment on the air. We'll get to that at some point. That's td at thetrumpet.com. If there's one thing... The, if there's one thing the radical left always, always, always can agree on, it's take the weapons, take the guns from the law-abiding citizens. No CNBC reports that I know of talking about the weapons that Hamas has been accumulating with the help of Iran, supplying them with all kinds of guns. Can you believe it? And they just murdered 1,400 Israelis with those guns. But, but yet we get a CNBC report about Israelis buying a firearm for self-defense and that that could result in crime or rather violence aimed at Palestinians. These people, <laughs> no wonder uh, Speaker Johnson comes in last night, he talks about the Second Amendment rights. Hannity asks him about the, the radical left using, using the tragedy in Maine as yet another excuse to confiscate weapons. I mean, Kamala said it, as they say. She, she said the quiet part out loud. This is Speaker Johnson in his exchange with Hannity, clip seven. And this happens with almost every shooting incident. The, the media call by the left in this country, we need more gun laws, we need more legislation. What's your answer to that? At the end of the day, it's the problem is the human heart. It's not guns, it's not the weapons. At the end of the day, we have to protect the, the right of the citizens to protect themselves, and that's the Second Amendment. Protect the Second Amendment, and the problem here is the human heart. He's right. He's right about, he's right about the constitutional rights of Americans, and he's also right about the source of these many horrific acts. In, in this book, America Under Attack, my father says here, Mr. Obama and the left are so eager to ban guns. It says, but what are they doing to stop drug cartels making inroads into America? What are they doing to take guns away from the bad guys, from the mentally ill, from the, the gangbangers that have control of the streets in some cities? 
It says here, the radical left wants to take the guns of law-abiding people. They know the criminals are not about to give up their guns. You, you think Hamas is going to give up their guns? You, you, do you think a settler who's living at notice to all of the left-wing talking points, this is occupied land. I mean, this, a, a lot of nations believe it's illegal that the Jews would even, that, that the Jews would even live there in the West Bank. And now they're getting guns. So it's occupied territory. It belongs to the Palestinians. Jews are getting guns. So violence is coming to the Palestinians. I told you, what was it, three weeks ago, almost three weeks ago, (laughs) that you better enjoy five, six hours of objective reporting regarding the massacre in southern Israel. Because the narrative, ever since then, it's get that, get that well-established narrative out front again. The Palestinians are the victims. <laughs> no CNBC report about the guns that Hamas used three weeks ago tomorrow. It says here, leftists act as if the purpose is so Americans can go out and shoot deer. This is the reason for the Second Amendment, they, they say. It says that's, that, that isn't the reason for the Second Amendment at all. The main point was to protect the citizens from government tyranny. <laughs> from government tyranny. It's embedded into our, our foundational documents. But they don't give you the truth, whether it's on the Second Amendment here in the United States or with respect to what's happening in Israel. Always, always an agenda. There is this Hamas representative Uh, He sat down with a a BBC reporter. Listen to this unbelievable exchange, clip four. It was a military operation. It was directed for military purposes, for the military sites. Hundreds of civilians were killed. Sorry. And for the military soldiers who imposed sanctions and collected punishment against our people. And I think from the first moment we declared that this operation is not was not directed to the civilians. But I can confirm and assure again and again that there was no command, no command to kill any civilians. How do you justify killing people as they sleep? You know, families. How do you justify? I, I want. I, I want to stop this uh, interview. In, I want to stop this interview. I want, there you go. I want to stop this interview. You killed civilians as they were sleeping at night. No, no, no. It was a military operation. That, this guy says it to the whole world. And then he doesn't like the, uh, good for the, at least finally good for a BBC reporter to pin him down a little bit. A military operation? As many as 40 babies murdered? And these people, these deranged lunatics, with guns, by the way, they say they maintain it's a military operation to go in and kill all of these civilians. And then they hurry back to Gaza with their 200 hostages so they can rape and torture them. And and guess where they hide in Gaza? Guess where they hide? This is an IDF spokesman just the other day, clip six. Hamas has turned hospitals into command and control centers and hideouts for Hamas terrorists and commanders. Additionally, I can confirm that according to the intelligence we have in our hands, 
There is fuel in hospitals in Gaza. I repeat, there is fuel in hospitals in Gaza. And Hamas is using it for its terror infrastructures. Command and control centers for Hamas underneath hospitals. And then you know the story from a week or two ago. They, Hamas blows up one of their own hospitals. And it's people like CNBC that then blame Israel. Blame Israel for everything. The same spirit. It's alive and well here in the United States. If someone goes on a mass shooting campaign, blame the gun or blame the law-abiding citizens because they want to have guns for protection. The spirit, I covered it earlier this week, so I don't want to just be redundant here, but the spirit behind this irrational hatred for Jews in, in, in one case or for law, for foundational constitutional law, the devil's behind it all. And then look at what is happening. You have these Jewish students at the Cooper Union Library in New York City and a group of Nazi protesters surround the library. They're pounding on the door to get after these Jews, to go after Jews. And the officials on the inside said, well, hey, you can, you can go into the attic if you feel safer. I mean, we don't want to bother the NYPD with this. I mean, we don't want to bother the DOJ. They're so, bu- they're so busy using their power, their tremendous power, to go after Donald Trump or Trump supporters. And here you have Nazis literally going after Jews in New York City. And we've seen this rise in demonstrations, pro-Hamas demonstrations all over the world. But CNBC is concerned about some settler living in a Jewish kibbutz buying a firearm couple of other headlines this past week. NYPD tells Jews to hide this Sabbath. NYPD, they're not telling Jews, listen, we'll protect you. You you can be sure. Law enforcement is here to serve and to protect you. No, no. It's telling them to to hide. Here's another. Berkeley professor offers students extra credit for attending pro-Hamas protests. There's your college instructors. New York City public school students brandish anti-Semitic signs call for Israel to be eradicated. New York City schools. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of the problem, as I explained earlier this week. It's the educational system. It's been compromised. It's been hijacked by this communist movement. The communist infiltration of the United States. It was prophesied. That's a chapter in this uh, brochure here. He was right. He was right. And then you have the spirit of Antiochus, Barack Hussein Obama. I mean, he's taken this, this Jew hatred, this, this uh, supreme law, this hatred for supreme law of the land. He's taken it to a whole new level. There's a, a story in, uh, I think it's the American Thinker, which basically says this, this attack on Israel, on Jews, it's all by design. And, and this article, I mean, it's, it's, it reads like an article that you would have seen in the trumpet 10 years ago. The attack here is from within. The sickness is from within. Just as your Bible prophesies. 
This is uh, at the American Thinker. It says, what is now occurring in Israel is no act of happenstance or the result of failed policy. It's the execution of a premeditated plan of destruction that Barack Obama began and Biden is trying to finish. It says here, the American left has long desired to eliminate Judeo-Christian followers. Their reasoning is simple. You cannot conquer, subjugate, and enslave a population that refuses to accept the rule of an earthly authority. You can't, you can't, have, you can't control people that are using their Second Amendment rights. It says, with Barack Obama leading the American left and pulling the, the strings on the Biden marionette, <laughs> where'd you hear that first? The Biden marionette, it says, the plan is in motion. They seek to destroy Israel, followed by erasing Christians, whether through genocide, as in parts of Africa, or criminalizing Christianity. We're seeing it happen already. This is why Joe Scarborough has a meltdown when Mike Johnson gets in there. Because he's talking about, he's on with Hannity talking about the Bible and how that, that's where he gets his worldview. He's telling the members of Congress the other day that, you know, people in leadership positions are there only as God allows or ordains. You don't want to bring that kind of a message to Capitol Hill. I mean, I'll come to that in just a second. I think it is significant because you can read from Amos 7 how that Jeroboam, when he returns, he really will have the enthusiastic support from the evangelicals. He had it even last time. It says here, in 2014, Israel initiated Operation Protective Hedge to destroy endless miles of terror tunnels Hamas used to gain access into Israel and murder civilians. So Israel tries to get rid of these tunnels because Hamas will come across and kill civilians. They did it on a mass scale three weeks ago. It says here, uh, the Obama administration assailed the Netanyahu government for using disproportionate force to protect their citizens from death at the hands of terrorists. You can't go in and, and be too brutal when blowing up those, those terrorist tunnels, said Obama. It says here, whether Gaza or the West Bank, Obama placed greater concern on the quality of life of Palestinians who subscribe to terrorism than industrious Jews working to build a better life for themselves. It's the same spirit, really, behind the CNBC report coming from Canada. In terms of disproportionate force, what gives Barack Obama the right to say what a Jew's life is worth? It says, to those who have followed Middle East events, it's clear that the last thing to concern Obama was a Jew's life. His position always focused on protecting the Palestinian right to kill Jews. You see, they have a right to do, they have a right to have their firearms, to have their machine guns, to have their rockets and bombs and so on, and to fire them in to Israel, thousands of them. It happens almost like the seasons change. Every spring, every summer, you can be sure, they're going to fire rockets at Jews, hoping to kill civilians. And then, sure enough, right on, uh, right on cue, the uh, Hamas rep, he's going to go right to the TV cameras and say, listen, no, this was a military operation. Yeah, we went after military installments here. They just lie. 
it says here, to those who have followed Middle East, well, I read that. It says, looking at today's horrors in Israel and Obama's lethargic response, how can any reasonable person believe otherwise? It took Obama to come out with a tweet after three days. It took him three days to come up with the tweet, just denouncing the horrific attack on Israel. After that, he wrote an op-ed supporting the Palestinian cause, telling Israel to back off. Spirit of Antiochus says, Today the Biden administration has reversed the Trump measures and renewed the flow of money to Iran and Hamas. Without this funding, both Iran and Hamas would be unable to move against Israel. It's Antiochus, you see. Joe Obama funding Iran, funding Hamas. And this week we learned from the Wall Street Journal that it was not only the funding, you had all these Hamas terrorists getting training in Iran. That, that's what you call an attack from within. That's what you call siding with the enemy. Barack Obama, he made no bones about it, even before he came into power in 2009, that he was on the side of the mullahs, that he was about to shift the balance of power forever in the Middle East. As anti-Jewish, as hostile to the Israeli state as any president in history. Listen to Newt Gingrich from uh, earlier this week on the, the spread of this anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic uh, sentiment, clip five. Well, look, I, I think it's easy to underestimate the depth of the anti-Israeli and anti-Semitic attitudes that are now at the heart of the Democratic Party and are at the heart of the Biden administration. Uh, <clears throat> the fact is, uh, supposedly 100 people in the White House went to a meeting to deal with their anxieties about what's happening, not to deal with anger about 40 babies being killed, babies being beheaded, not to deal with anger about women being raped and dragged through the streets dead with people spitting on them, uh, not to deal with anger about 1,400 innocent people being slaughtered. Oh, no their anxieties and watch the news media, which is part of the same anti-Israel, anti-Semitic process. Uh, now we've suddenly decided that Palestinians who are being hurt only because Hamas uses them as a shield. I mean, this, this war could end this evening if Hamas would surrender. But Hamas isn't going to surrender. And Hamas doesn't mind Palestinians being killed as long as they are able to put them up on YouTube or on TikTok or in some other device to use them for propaganda. The Congress right now should be actively investigating the fact that there are at least four Iranian agents working in the Defense and State Department. Literally, people who are Iranian agents, the key person making policy under Obama mm -hmm. turned out to be an Iranian agent. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's maddening how much we have allowed people who want to destroy our way of life. And remember, death to America and death to Israel aren't just slogans. That is the goal of the Iranian dictatorship, and we are sitting passively. It's maddening, he says there, how much we've let infiltrators come right in into our midst. Four Iranian agents? The last one, the, the Obama guy, he's talking about Mali, I think his name is. He's, a, he's an Iranian operative working right in the Department of Justice or the State Department. 
That, that's what you call an attack from within. You would think there'd be a, a few more, you know, patriotic DOJ agents that would be on the hunt to get these traitors out. Instead, it's been aimed at the political opposition. This thanks to Antiochus as well, weaponizing those alphabet agencies to go after Republicans or conservatives. At that American Thinker piece, it says, simply put, without Iranian sponsorship, Israeli babies would, uh, would not have been beheaded or burned alive. Israel's move to exterminate Hamas should have taken place in 2014. It is obvious that Barack Obama blocked this action. So again, what other conclusion can be drawn other than his goal was to destroy Israel, a goal that Biden continues to pursue? He stopped, he stopped Israel from destroying Hamas in 2014. Today we see Biden buying time for Hamas. Now we see this growing push coming from all of these movements worldwide for Israel to back off, for Israel to stop buying guns. It says here, moreover, both Obama and Biden know that when the Jews are gone, Christians are next. Well, we've already seen reports of people of Middle Eastern descent just pouring into the, the country, America, I mean through the porous southern border. All of these terrorists, all of these individuals on the terrorist watch list, hundreds of them every year now, that we know of. It says here, what is currently transpiring in the Middle East is not due to some error in judgment. It was planned. The violence, death, and destruction were premeditated. If not headed off now, the Americans left will empower the Muslim community. The American, I should say, the American left, the radical left, in other words, will empower the Muslim community to accomplish their goal and bring their horror show here. You saw it in the opening montage. I mean, they want to take the guns away from the law-abiding citizens. My father lays that out. Lays that out in America under attack says here, why won't the radical liberals admit this, that it's the purpose for the Second Amendment, that is? It says, can't, can't we see the danger in a government unconstrained by the law, disarming its citizens while heavily arming itself with military weapons, spy equipment, and even drones that it feels justified in using at will? It says here, government tyranny is routine in human history. And they know it. The radical left knows it. It's just been routine. Government tyranny. We're seeing a complete and total breakdown and people are in government. Our nations are crumbling and people are terrified and they're going to gun shops just to try to protect themselves. Themselves. That's uh, pretty significant when you think about so many Bible prophecies that speak of what it's to be like in these last days. Read, as I told you earlier this week, read through Genesis 6. See God's assessment there of the world that then was, the world before the flood, and why God had to just universally wipe it out, except for Noah and his family. Jesus said that same, 
that same lifestyle. It'll be prevalent in these last days as well. I mentioned earlier um, the new speaker, Mike Johnson, how he's pretty open about his religious views and beliefs. And when you think about the enthusiastic support that Donald Trump is going to enjoy from, uh, from the evangelicals, as I said the other day, I mean, it, is, it, is, uh, it makes you think more about Amos 7 when you see what happened in the House just, uh, just this past week. This is, I think this is taken from uh, Johnson's address on the floor of Congress after he uh, secured the votes needed to be speaker. Clip eight. It was in 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto, in God we trust, was adorned above this rostrum. These words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well, the famous second paragraph that we used to have children memorize in school and, and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. And they are endowed by the, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That is, the, that is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. And it was in that same speech where he looked at all of these uh, Congress people and basically said, you're in the position you're in because it's ordained of God. Think about Romans 13. I mean, he is right in the sense that I wouldn't go so far as to say that God selected these leaders for righteous purposes, but God does intervene on the affairs of mankind where necessary. We know all about the Antiochus, the spirit of Antiochus, the, the Antiochus leadership. We know about the prophecy regarding Jeroboam. But Romans 13, you can read those first few verses on your own time, but there God says there are no powers that be except that he allows it. This is what uh, Johnson said, again, in the halls of Congress, clip 13. I believe that scripture, the Bible is <clears throat> very clear, that, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. Over at NBC, in response to that little soundbite, NBC says, hearing those words from the Speaker of the House was a landmark moment for evangelicals. They're cheering right now. They're cheering. I mean, they know. They know how much power Jeroboam had initially and how favorable he was toward the evangelical community. And now here comes the Speaker of the House. You can see why. As I say, there's a complete and total meltdown over at Morning Joe. Let me just play one final clip. This is Johnson with uh, Hannity last night, number 14. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's uh, curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. That's what I believe. 
And then comes the meltdown. Listen to Scarborough from uh, earlier this morning. This is number one. You shut up. I mean, these people try to overturn American democracy. We saw it. He led the effort in the House. And Willie, and then they're shocked. The question, why are they shocked? Because they don't want to talk about it. Right. Because they're already planning. They've already got this figured out. They've got Donald Trump's guy in there, and they're going to steal this election in the House of Representatives with this speaker who led. You say, shut up. We're not going to shut up. You shut up. <laughs> if you, if, if, if you want to overturn American democracy, we don't want to hear what you have to say. So keep it to yourself. But we'll never shut up because these are the people that tried to end the American experiment because their guy didn't win, because a failed reality TV show host didn't win. So that th those are the stakes. That's really what's happened. Donald Trump has found the guy that will gladly pave the way to an autocracy where democratic elections don't matter. It's no coincidence that Mike Johnson is in there. Mm, boy, no coincidence. He was handpicked by Donald. Forget about the vote. I mean, the 220 votes for Mike Johnson from your representatives. That, it was not democracy. He was installed by the bad orange man. And he was put there to steal the election. I guess, I guess that's what it means. 2024. So here... They're now election deniers. They're, they're ahead of 2024. They have determined that Mike Johnson, Donald Trump and company are stealing the election. The arguing that's just going to go back and forth. And then it, this is in the midst of all of this turmoil in the world today. Nation warring against nation. And then you've got that internal struggle. The war going on from within as well this this morning and in class i was just talking about the government waste and stealing basically from uh from future generations that's what's happening all these politicians they come in with all these ideals and how they're going to really trim spending or cut this or that 30 the federal debt is 33.6 trillion dollars I'm, I'm old enough to remember when we were sounding the alarm at the trumpet over a six or a seven or an eight trillion dollar debt. We're spending more on interest every year than we are on spending for the military. That's um, almost a trillion dollars. It's not going to be that much longer before we're paying a trillion dollars every year just on interest payments just for the interest on the debt they know it's not sustainable they know the world knows more important still the world knows that this is an unsustainable path that we're on there is a an explosion coming like like you've never seen Mr. Armstrong in the U.S. and Britain in Prophecy, he talked about the higher up you go, the harder the fall. The United States of America, the single greatest, most powerful, most prosperous nation in the history of the world. How great will be the fall, the demise, 
of this nation, Tucker Carlson, I don't remember where that this was. He gave a speech recently. Notice what he had to say, clip 12. And in a moment when every person, 350 million Americans, everyone, regardless of political affiliation, can feel that something bad's coming, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. I mean, if you've been to church once in the last year, have you thought about the end times recently? Yes, you have. Whether, I'm serious. Because you can feel that abrupt change is coming, and that's very disconcerting. The end times. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the way it's prophesied to be in the last days. Read Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 3. Read 2 Timothy 3. Read what Jesus warned in Luke 17. Read, read Matthew 24, the Olivet Prophecy. The disciples of Christ's day were concerned about the end of days. According to Tucker, you can't go to church now without hearing or at least wondering, are we in the last days? There may be enthusiastic support coming from the evangelical community as they rally around Jeroboam, but we have to say, and we bring it out in America Under Attack, God will intervene to prevent Israel from being completely blotted out, but at the same time, He is trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up and to make us aware of all the curses that are setting in in our nations because, because of sin, because of transgression. Why won't we turn to God? Ezekiel 33, God takes no pleasure in the death of nations. But, but why won't we turn to God in repentance? That's what God really and truly wants from all of us, individually, collectively, to turn our hearts to Him in humility and repentance. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show with our Bible study segment. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us, td at the trumpet. Dot com. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. 
If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. Because of uh, what's happening in Israel, uh, you hear a lot about uh, disproportionate uh, force. We have to be, when, when, when Israel is in the equation or part of the story, the, the, the storyline, the narrative, whatever you want to call it, then we're very concerned about proportionality. And if you think about, you know, the war that we're in spiritually, I mean, it really flies in the face, that thinking of, of even the approach that we're to take in our spiritual journey, our spiritual war against the enemy. God, and my father makes this point in the Overcomer booklet, but he says, look, you've got to go all out to completely overcome and to conquer the enemy. Otherwise, it'll just keep coming back. And it'll destroy you eventually. If you compromise with the enemy, Israel has said from the beginning, of course, they're still dragging their feet thanks to Joe Biden pressure. But they've said we have no choice but to completely destroy Hamas. I read you the article in the first segment that says they should have done that in 2014, but Barack Obama wouldn't stand for it. He wanted to empower Hamas. He wants to empower Iran, the number one state sponsor of terrorism. That's some kind of attack from within. As I said in the first segment, every year at the spring holy days, as we prepare for um, the days of unleavened bread, we're taught to completely remove sin or leaven from our dwelling places. You've just got to get it completely out. Or like 1 Corinthians 5 says, a little bit of leaven, a little bit of sun, uh, sin, I should say. That's the analogy. A little bit of it will spread through the whole loaf. So God says, remove it entirely. That's, uh, like I say, a central lesson to the, the spring holy day season. This is from my father's book, How to Be an Overcomer. It's chapter 6, The Science of Spiritual Warfare. And he's using the example here of Napoleon. It says, one of the basic maxims of Napoleon uh, stresses the all importance of achieving maximum concentration of forces at the right place and time. In other words, on the battlefield. It says, another striking feature of the first Italian campaign is the way Bonaparte always contri uh, contrived to bring the greatest possible number of his available men onto the battlefield. I mean, he had to get the, the whole of it out there and concentrate on the target and overwhelm the enemy with force, just overwhelm, overwhelming force out on the battlefield. And then my father says here, when you have to tackle a problem, concentrate everything you have on that problem. Bring everything possible to bear on solving it. Don't, don't get caught up in the proportionality of it. Bring everything possible to bear on eliminating or solving this problem, eliminating this sin, this weakness. 
It says here, the principles of war are the same as those of a siege, Napoleon said. Uh, it says, fire must be concentrated on a single point. And as soon as the breach is made, the equilibrium is broken and the rest is nothing. It says here, he had a clear picture, my father says, he had a clear picture in his mind of the problem he faced. He would aim all of his attention on breaking through at one point just to get the enemy off balance. There's, a, again, an important lesson in this. Get the enemy off balance. And then he, my father gives this quote, which we've probably, as speakers and teachers here at God's College, we've probably quoted this uh, dozens of times, each of us. He says, do you lay siege to your big problems? It says, a siege is a military blockade of a city or a fortified place intended to compel it to surrender. It's a, a persistent attack. To lay siege means to pursue diligently and persistently. You, you read some of this and you can see, just in looking at, again, geopolitics, you can see why Israel's fighting a losing battle. Because it can't, I mean, when Hamas withdraws and then they, they hide underneath hospitals, how do you completely eliminate that threat? When Iran is just funneling guns and money into the Strip, how do you remove rockets as well? How do you remove that grave danger? When the regime media is trumpeting the message that the Jews are the problem, that the Jews are the occupiers, that the Jews buying guns, that's just going to escalate the violence. How does Israel win in a fight such as that? As I say, spiritually, we want no part of this proportional human reasoning. Well, maybe I'll go a little ways in here, but not be you know, too aggressive with it. I'm, I want to have balance. We can sometimes reason in our minds. It says here, to lay siege means to pursue diligently or persistently. How about preparing a siege against your laziness or your lust or sense of inferiority or vanity or whatever problem you face? Lay siege on it. Go right at the heart of it with everything that you can muster. Destroy its will. Decimate your old man's will to rise back up. Read Romans 6, that, and Romans 7 too, for that matter, the war of the wills. But Romans 6 talks about destroying that old man. <laughs> Destroy him. That's the kind of language that Paul used in Romans 6. Mortify the deeds of the body. Crucify the old man. Galatians 2.20. Destroy the body of sin. That's in Romans 6. It says here, decimate your old man's will to rise back up and you will conquer it. That's how we can win battles against our serious problems. Getting distracted by the secondary matters uh, doesn't bring down the enemy. It only wastes precious time. We must concentrate on the main body, the heart of the problem, and crush it. And then the secondary matters will fall into place. Concentrate, you see, on the, the main enemy. Bring all of the, the troops, the reserves, the supplies, everything that you have. 
to really focus in on the serious nature of that problem. Notice what Paul said in uh, Ephesians 6. This is verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You see, draw strength from God. Be strong in the Lord. This is why our relationship with God is so crucially important because we have to, like Herbert Armstrong explained, we have to go to that source from above, that higher power. We've got to draw on the power of God. That's what Paul's getting at here in Ephesians 6. Putting on the armor of God. Verse uh, 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see what we're going up against? You see who the enemy is? Our adversary, the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion. He's looking, he's looking for the weaklings that he can pick off. The devil is no match for God. But without God's help and power, we're no match for the devil. And so God says, put on the whole armor. Go to God for strength. Let me read to you what it says in James 4. This is verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, we've got to submit to God and resist the devil. Draw near to God and resist against the wiles of the devil. And then we'll claim some victories in this spiritual warfare that we're in. Notice, too, how Paul, or rather James, connected it to putting away sin as well. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Coming back to Ephesians 6, it says in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I mean, we're, we obviously fight against this as Christians, but you're seeing all across society a lot of uh, spiritual wickedness in very high places, a lot of corrupt leadership, shepherds that are looking after themselves, as I keep saying, Ezekiel 34. We have to be vigilant. We have to be on guard. We have to be aware of Satan and his demon army. We have to resist against those pulls of the flesh. We have to draw near to God. We're wrestling against these principalities, these powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. See, have you done everything possible to stand against the devil? We came into this. We counted the cost. God told us it's the straight and narrow way. Mr. Armstrong described it as this long, windy, bumpy journey. We need God and his help. We need strength. We need armor. We need weapons. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the, the breastplate of righteousness, really fill up on the truth of God, and live it. 
That's what righteousness is. Right doing. Right living. Living in accordance to the laws of God. It says in verse 15, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, grounded in the, the true gospel, the gospel of the soon coming kingdom of God, God's loving family rule on earth, God's government, God's family administering that government. Verse 16 says, Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I mean, we need a shield. We need to defend against Satan's audacious attacks. He's our adversary. He, he hates God's purpose and plan. He wants to destroy us. We see how he wants to blot out even the name of Israel. We see how much he hates the Jews. Verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take God's word. Put on that helmet of salvation. Grab the sword of, of God, the Bible, and use it. Use it as the powerful weapon that it is. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. There is power in this word that is God's truth, the Holy Bible. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. One last verse, this is again Ephesians 6, verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. With this kind of armor, you see, you can, you can resist against the devil's fiery attacks. You can draw near to God, and Satan actually can and will flee from you. That's all we have time for on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. Don't forget about the email address or our website, thetrumpet.com. The email is td at thetrumpet.com. Send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Thanks for joining us all week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>